0: Welcome back to another episode of the USL Show. Um, Listen, we're stoked to be here. We have our first finals of the season or of the men's season. That's not even true. League 2 exists. Um, Of the professional season, we got there eventually. Um, We have quarterfinals underway, which... At the beginning of the season, it seems like very typical people that you would expect, but boy, was it weird getting there. And people are mad because the all league rosters have come out, and frankly, it doesn't matter. There, I said it. Your favorite player isn't as good as you think they are. Shut up. All right. Anyway, so welcome back. And look, there was a lot of stuff that happened this last week. Um, and someone who did, we didn't get a chat to last week. John, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing well. Happy to be
1: back. A lot to discuss. A lot of fun, exciting, controversial games this weekend.
0: Controversial to say the least. Alan, how you doing?
2: Uh, do, doing all right. Doing all right. Um, I, I think uh, right now I am living... Uh, my life similarly to tampa bay where you are barely surviving but somehow getting through anyway uh you're right it is like familiar destinations but but a a wild journey getting there it's like uh flying from san diego to atlanta but going from here to seattle to minneapolis uh back down to atlanta so um we we i mean it's usl right like we expect the unexpected chaos and so um, up and down USL league one and championship uh, those games uh, provided exactly what we want. Right. And now we can go on Twitter and scream about things that uh, either calls blown for us or calls blown against us. Um, But yeah, the team of the week thing, I mean, I'm just glad they have like almost as many West Coast players as East Coast players this this time. So like first time progress for us Western Conference pro- folks, it's progress.
0: They really should go to an all West, all East at this point. Uh, there's just there's just no point in doing all league, especially when not everybody plays each other. But whatever. Um I mean, that's why yeah, but, you know League that would, One that would. Re-
2: That would require people staying up late to watch Western Conference teams to create an all-West 11. Yeah,
0: I mean. (laughs) All I'm saying is that, listen, we got a League One show a couple weeks ago, and they still came out with the uh, all-USL League One team, so people can fake it till they sort of make it or at least fake it. Um, So, it happens. But look, I want to start off with league one because we got there and it's Tormenta versus Chattanooga Red Wolves, which to start the season, no one had that to end the season. No one had that in the middle of the season. You thought chaos maybe could happen. And then league one decide to league one and in the most interesting one nil matches I've probably ever watched, strangely enough, um, I want to start off with, just because Geo isn't here, and if he hops on later, um, I don't want to make him rip off the wound once again. I do want to start off with Tormenta, because Tormenta, a lot of us pick Tormenta, because they're one of the few teams that were not afraid of going into Greenville, probably the only team not afraid to go into Greenville, and they looked good. Greenville was kind of knocking on the door, but never had a real chance along the way. It was a very interesting matchup, and it always comes down to one mistake, right? Forty first, forty second minute, a weird pass with not enough, you know, oomph on it, and a player that didn't step to gets intercepted, and you know, a little bit of sloppy defending as people try to recover, and a really nice finish, and that's all it. That's all it took. Uh, Tormenta gets the one 0 win. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about that game,
1: you could look at the stat sheet where Greenville more than doubled the shots that Tormenta put up, but they weren't really getting those high-quality chances like you mentioned. And to kind of cite, I think, our favorite center-back pair in League One with Phelps and Dangler, they're a big reason why this team consistently controls the chances that they're allowing, why they're such an elite defense at this level. They did the thing in the press where... 42nd, 43rd minute, whatever it was. Uh, they had a midfielder pop up uh, from their four four two ish shape, get that interception, and it just took one moment where Kaziah Sterling had a look on goal. It's kind of classic playoff soccer where you can rely on a really strong defense, get that moment with a star forward, and you're suddenly going to the final.
2: Yeah, it was like the goal they scored was just as a little bit just as much about chaos as it was like controlled buildup, right? Like you've seen this time and time again, where you, you know, you kind of just check out for a moment, right? Like any other time of the year that that forward pass is not that big of a deal. It goes to the six, the six puts it back to the center back. Everything's hunky dory, but it just takes a guy falling asleep and a offensive player to really read this, the play. Well, uh, and not take it off and that's essentially the difference um yeah john i with the with the not quality shots all you have to do is watch the highlights back and you'll see that some of the shots that they're highlighting for greenville triumph are are not really even shots they're just kind of like hope and a prayer that something happens um you know there there's the one where it, it kind of gets spilled a little bit but that's just like a hopeful ball into a dangerous area right this is it's almost like hockey where you're just like, I'm going to put the the puck on net and hope something good happens as opposed to unnecessarily uh, like a, a buildup or getting the ball into a dangerous area with control. It was just kind of hopes and prayers. And, you know, uh, that's not going to get you across the line, right? That's going to put you in a position where you're hoping and praying. Um, but good on Tormenta for, for getting a really good road win. Like that's... Something we haven't seen consistently in League One, right, it was early, early bit was, like, you pick the home team because they're going to win. So good on, you know, uh, Tormenta and foreshadowing that's going to happen later, but good on Tormenta for really putting together a really nice win on the road.
0: Yeah, Tormenta was the one team that was always the caveat though. Tormenta was the one team that always went away. You just prayed to God that they didn't play at home. Like if they were if it was Tormenta playing in Northern Colorado, they would have went undefeated cuz nowhere was home. And so it was just it was Tormenta was the one team that you really circled. Um The thing with Tormenta, and I want Tormenta fans who listen to this because we do have a ton of awesome Tormenta fans that do listen and we appreciate that. Um, It's going to sound like I'm nitpicking Greenville and saying I'm disappointed in Greenville more than I am proud of Tormenta, but I'm really not because the things that we're nitpicking Greenville is basically talking about how near perfectly Tormenta played you know, they slowed the game down when they needed. Tormenta made those kind of chippy fouls that didn't brandish cards or sometimes, you know, kind of rode that line, slowed the game down, didn't allow Greenville to get at a a blistering pace to catch anybody off guard, and they completely shut down the game. There was a moment that there was a kind of a searching long ball that Jay Keegan gets on the end of and just kind of pushes it wide that – Like you mentioned, if it was middle of the season, no pressure on the line, I think he finishes that ball. But it was really the one chance that Greenville got all night. There was one play where the Tormenta keeper, who I'm blanking off the top of my head, so sorry, um, he makes a save uh, to his left. And it's a nice save, don't get me wrong, but that's a save you expect most USL League 1 or championship or even a lot of League 2 keepers to make and that just really shows like john said like uh phelps and dangler how good they played because when you're so solid in the middle it pushes everything out wide and when your fullbacks know the ball is coming to them then they can defend and it just becomes full team defense with no real threat of losing
1: uh tj bush in net who hasn't allowed more than one goal in any game since early september
0: ridiculous um christensen at the beginning of the game made a really nice save for greenville by the way uh greenville could have very been down pretty early but there was a save that he had that pushed the ball over the bar um he it looked like he was a little bit off his line not awfully um enough to be like oh he's out of position but you know he's kind of where he has to be it's a good shot coming in he goes up tips it over the bar good on him um he also goes up and plays a Decent brand of midfield at the very end of the game. Actually, he looked pretty good for a keeper pl- trying to play midfield to try to buy the game. Um, I was a little bit impressed. Um, but yeah, Tormenta, what a win. But um, unless anybody else has anything on this match, there was another match that controversy struck. Um at you know, Memorial Stadium. And it was bad. It was really bad. Look, so for people who didn't watch Richmond comes in, they are the supporter shield or regular season champions, whatever they want to call it. Uh, same thing, um, which in league one truly is, in my opinion, the actual champions, because they played everybody like three times. They were by and large, the best team. They're my champions, whatever. Um, and They come in, there is a moment that looks like it's a clear penalty, clear as day penalty, Um, not given. And Richmond looked a little rattled from then on. From there, it gets a little bit cagey until I think the 39th minute and the Red Wolves go down a man. And from there, it is just uh, Chattanooga doing their thing. They defend a little bit, and then they get a breakaway. And, boy, are they fast on that counterattack. And finally, at the end of the match, it catches up to Richmond, who just could not find that goal, even though at one point it looked like they got a goal um, that was taken off the board. And Chattanooga gets another opportunity. They got a couple of these breakaway opportunities, puts into the back of net, one no win. Your regular season champs out.
1: I struggle with games like this, where there is one of those pivotal incidents where, yes, it was a big deal that they or that Richmond didn't get the penalty, but you had so much of the game left left to play. You're up a man for 60 minutes. You win the possession battle 60-40. At a certain point, the penalty incident only goes so far in a game where you had the edge I thought Chattanooga looked a little bit shaky in terms of their structure in the midfield, defensively. This is a kicker's team that, as you mentioned, was dominant in the regular season. It's on them at a certain point if they can't go and do the thing. And credit to the Red Wolves. The I mean, Mensigan was a threat in transition throughout this one, and he deservedly got that winner. But it's unlucky for the kickers, but you got to go do the thing.
2: Yeah, I think... It's it's one thing that we've, I've talked about with on on two balls and a mic, and even on on orange and black, is that like you have to be so good that you overcome a, a miss call, right? Like, just to expect a referee to make zero mistakes in a game is like asking a lot, right? Like we know pro refs, like these aren't. You know, they're 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 doing the same thing that the, the players are doing, right? You're work, trying to work your way up. So you're gonna get some inexperience, you're gonna get some bad calls, right? That's just the reality of the game that you have to be able to be good enough to overcome those bad calls, right? And we we heard this from some of our coaches as well uh this season. And you know, Richmond had that, you know, that offside moment that could have been in. So it it felt it felt very much like the red wolves, once they get that red card are like defend and like, what do we have to lose at this point? Right. Like it, it felt like maybe they were a little bit looser. Um, Richmond's obviously under the pressure and, you know, in a game of, of soccer, like your one goal is a huge difference. Right. And I, I thought that, the red card was going to be enough to really put the kickers in a position to really take it to Chattanooga, but maybe it hurt them in a way where Chattanooga becomes more defensive uh, and sits back even more because now they're having to defend with 10 men. Uh, And we've seen this with teams too, right? You expect them to be dominant, but you go down a man, you become more defensive, you're more counterattacking, and it makes it harder for teams to break you down. So they get frustrated. They push more. And now you're open for a counterattack. Um, See, to that point, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you, I Chattanooga was
0: one of the teams this year that looked better when they went down a man because so many times Chattanooga will get caught out because they are so attacking. They look so good on the attack that they forget that they have a defense. And they're just like, well, our center backs are just going to come up here play striker, no big deal. And then they'd suddenly forget, oh, it's suddenly a three on one with dark goalkeeper. Let's just pray he has it. They never do. Um, and it was one of those situations that Richmond went down or went up a man against the worst team they could have. And I I, I want to push back just a little bit on the missed call just because I know that they went up for that amount of time and they should have. But like I said, Chattanooga is one of the teams that were better going down or going down a man. They, their system just seems to work in that way. Um, why? I, I don't really know. I haven't gotten that deep into the film. I'll be honest. Maybe league one review, Brandon Mays could tell me, um, or John, maybe you as well. Um, but I, I, With the penalty call, this isn't like a ticky-tacky on the edge of the box. You know, the ref didn't want to call it. I mean, it was a clear swipe at the leg. That is as blatant as it gets. Even if the center ref doesn't see it, the AR doesn't see it, no one sees it, no one wants to call it. I understand that's a playoff game, and you don't want to be the one to call a penalty. But the moment that that goal is missed, that penalty is missed. You know it's in Richmond's mind, and then they get the goal that turns out to be offsides. And at that point, the mentality has to be everything's going against us. It just felt like it was a lot of compiling issues that turn into a loss.
2: Yeah, the 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 penalty call, like it's one of those, especially with some of the other games this weekend, like that was probably one of the most clear penalties that happened that were weren't called. I mean this one wasn't called, but like if I stacked all of these and said which one of these was given a penalty and which one of these was like waved off, I think people would have would have would get it wrong, right? Uh because there were some that are were way less than this that were given. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get to that as well. And then on the other side too, like, I mean the kickers are beat, also beat by just this absolutely wonder goal, right? It's not like a guy you know, maybe is a step too late to close a guy down. And that's the difference, right? Like this was just an amazing, amazing strike that they got beat by. And in a normal game, like you tip your cap and be like, you got us, but we've already scored two, right? We got the penalty. We got the one that maybe was, you know, it was, it was definitely offside on this one. I think maybe it's hard to tell because it was a headed and whatever, but like you get one of those two and now it's like, okay, you, you, tied it up on a wonder goal let's let's solve this an extra time uh it just happened that those ones didn't go in for the kickers and you know sometimes you get beat by a, a really nice individual moment and you got to tip your cap to to red wolves for for playing strong and then just absolutely you know met met metzingen uh just i mean it's a stunner of a goal right like you goal of the week nominee type of goal. So, like, that's how crushing soccer, unfortunately, can be, especially in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and unless, John, you have anything else on this uh, match, um, this kind of leads straight into the finals, right? You have two teams that are kind – one team is definitely hot. Um, Tormenta is – definitely hot. We're leaving both Red Wolves matches just going like, meh. Chattanooga exists. Um, My biggest uh, lookout for, if Bolt doesn't have his cash app printed on the back of his jersey, I'm mad. Um, It's a horribly missed opportunity. Um, But this is truly I think one of the most interesting matchups because you have one of the sexiest attacking teams in all of the usl league one or championship going against who i boldly said and i got pushed back on it whatever i'll say it again the best center back pairing in all of the usl and i understand that uh san antonio and other teams have good have better players but there is no two center backs that work better together than, than Dangler and, and Phelps, in my opinion. Um, and you're going against those two different mindsets, and I'm stoked.
1: It's going to be a really exciting game. I, I think from an objective perspective, you have to think Tormenta are the favorite in this one. They were for my eyes, the better team in the regular season. You talk about that center back pairing, the way that they've defended over the past couple of months, they're going to be really hard to beat. But at the same time, we've mentioned, uh, Kayla, you made the specific point about how this Red Wolves team, you pin them up against a wall and suddenly they just start to play better. And there's a real scenario where this thing is tight at the end. It's been a sort of low tempo defensive battle. And you get something in transition from a men's again. You get a moment where Villalobos plays a ball over the top and they get something going that turns into the championship-winning moment of magic. So, I'm, I mean, not to spoil, but I have the Red Wolves winning this one just because I think the game is going to play out at a tempo that favors them, possibly.
0: Interesting. you got anything on this, Alan?
2: I mean, I think I've been, like, wrong on League One all season long. So, like, <laughs> why stop now? Um, <laughs> uh, it is – I've picked against Tormenta a lot, I think, this season. And um, probably almost every time it's come back and, and bit me like an angry goose when I have bread in my hand. Uh, so, like, yeah. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a fun one because, I mean, there is no quit in that Chattanooga Red Wolves team. Uh, and as much as, you know, I would like to see them not be successful based on the history of things. Uh, I-, I do think they're going to put together a really good game against Tormenta. Um, and yeah, I-, I think people are going to be uh, treated to chaos in soccer form. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to check this one out. Um, I guess if John's going to give his pick, I'm going to go against John, which is also not smart. So I'm like two for two on done moves. Um, so uh, just uh, to create chaos, I'm pick, I am picking. I picked Tormenta to win. Um, I didn't lock it because there's a surprise coming for that one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I do think it's going to be enjoyable. If you haven't watched USO League One, like check it out. Uh, it's worth it and you know there's probably gonna be a couple guys from this game who um you might want to have uh, your team uh, take a look at
0: uh for me personally sterling is number one on that list um dudes incredible uh for tormenta uh they're number nine um it's just it's just incredible um Uh, He is so much fun to watch, and I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand um, because we've all kind of done it. Um, I am walking Tormenta. Um, I will admit I'm pretty mad that uh, this is on a Sunday um, because it is close enough to me that I could have driven down on a Saturday and went and watched, but it's on a Sunday, and I don't get days off. So thank you, internship. Um, So I can't pull that. But anyway i i just feel like this is a match where this isn't as simple i can, we kind of made out to, i made it out to be as tormenta is going to defend 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 and they're just going to win tormenta still has really good attacking pieces they are really fun to watch on the attack their build-up is really really fun and their strikers are clinical um they're a really really good team on the attack it just happens to be that their defense is incredible and I have a really I just I just think that this is going to be a situation where uh tormenta is going to absorb pressure absorb the crap out of pressure and Chattanooga is going to get to caught too far forward tormenta gets a counterattack, and they're going to win especially at home i i think they're going to have the momentum and it's just not in chattanooga's nature unless they're down a man to sit back and defend at all even if they're away from home and if they do decide to sit back and defend i still feel like that favors tormenta because unless they're down a man chattanooga just looks shaky in the defense I, I this one just feels like Tormenta is going to do the first ever USL double, uh with, league, uh, with League One and uh, W
2: League. So you're advocating for Red Wolves to put in like some random guy and just like two foot tackle somebody in like the first minute to go down a man, and then they have they're like,
0: could now, could. If the player the player can get sent off for a ton of reasons, it doesn't necessarily have to be an injury or going two footed. Now, WWE, kick. he goes off screen and goes, uh, you know, just gives uh, Bolt like a Batista bomb, gives him the people's elbow, gets sent off. They're down, they're down to ten men. Bolt's in the hospital. What do you do? They lost their Juju and their and their upper man. Tormenta screwed.
2: Um okay. <laughs> that would not be the weirdest thing I've seen at a sporting event. Uh I saw a adult league baseball team balk in a run to tie it up. Um was Joe Madden they, the manager because no, because they didn't play all of their players and so they were going to lose by default if they didn't play everybody and someone pointed it out early and so a they put in a pitcher to drop the ball three times to balk in a run. Like they hit the guy with the the, like threw at the guy to hit him and then this the second guy didn't realize if you swung it's a strike anyway even if it hits you and so he gets hit and he's on first base and they box the run around and they tie it up to end up going to the bottom of the ninth so like I- i'm i'm all for it like it- it's as simple as like just walk onto the field take your shirt off get yellow carded put it back on <laughs> take your shirt off get red carded and now you're I do think there are like less less violent means to get sent off in a game if that's what you're hoping for. But uh, Kayler, I do um, I can't advocate for violence, but I can advocate for that chaos, and that might be the most interesting uh, tactical uh, approach that um, would make John's job even more challenging. Of <laughs> <laughs> it's like intentionally walking a run in uh, to not give up a grand slam kind of deal. So I'm for it. And uh let's let's let chaos reign. Humor me for a second. You remember the
0: reversible kits that uh, Ford Masson had? Yes. So player takes his shirt off already. And then he puts it back on. The ref is like yellow card. The guy says, okay, he takes the shirt off again, reverses it. It's one of the reversible kits. The other side is the same thing, but it's the cash app on the back where the name is, and he walks off.
2: And that's how that? we fund stadiums in the future.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, really, though, I this one just feels like Tormento to me. I Red Wolves is a team that can break down this defense, but... It to me it just feels like a game that they're gonna get caught up trying to score, they get caught out like they have so many times this year, and Tormenta is going to counterattack their way to a victory. But that's just me.
2: Um anybody has yeah. anything else? And nothing else happened this weekend. So uh that's nothing else for-
0: happened. That that's the show. Um, nothing controversial <laughs> happened. Actually, the least uh, we might as well start off with the least controversial game, probably of the entire weekend. And that is um, the fact that San Antonio hates fun and decided to score on Oakland. Um, Screw you guys. Um, I was really looking forward to like 500 minutes without conceding a goal, but whatever, you had to be the best team in the league, yada, 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 mentality monsters, God, losers. Um, Listen, they go up super early, like two minutes in. I had not even turned on the stream yet. Um, They score, and then Oakland looks pretty good. They look like they might find their way in. It looked like they were starting to build some momentum, and San Antonio decides that that's not fun anymore, and they decide to put in two more goals for the heck of it because again, they hate fun. Uh, San Antonio once again proving one of, they are the best team in the league.
1: I kind of push back on the whole Oakland looking good thing. Like they were dominating possession, they were loosely around the box, but. I can't really point to any concrete chances that they had. It's much as we talked about with that Tormenta performance, where there's this level of comfort that you have if you're San Antonio. You can sit back in your defensive back five. You can deal with the fact that PC goes down hurt, and you're so comfortable in what you're doing systematically that it doesn't matter what the roots are throwing at you. It just felt for me like a matter of time before you sprung a counterattack and you got a goal to really seal the thing. It was a classic San Antonio performance in so many ways. It was well managed by Alan Marcina. I think the finish from Samuel up uh, in that second minute goal deserves a shout. Really clinical there. Took advantage of everything that is flawed about the roots defense. It's kind of what you expected if you are Basing your playoff thoughts on what San Antonio did in the regular season.
2: I mean, there's that, there's that like um, set piece in the 32nd minute that I, I think could have changed the complexion of the game a little bit with if Oakland puts that one in uh, and maybe it's just like. Oakland just needs to pretend they're playing San Diego every week. Because I think if that's San Diego, that goal goes in like three times and they get three goals from that set piece for some reason. Um, I think kind of like Oakland lives on that edge of like if things go perfectly, they they get wins. When things don't go perfectly, like this is what happens, right? Like you have a couple of those shots that, you know, Far makes a really nice save in the, in the 34th minute. Right in, in a normal Oakland match, though, that's what happens. But then when those go in, Oakland like plays with with this fire in them that that makes them a little bit dangerous. Um, I do I do agree that that a, a dinner on goal was an interesting one. It, <coughs> Jasper agrees. Um, but the thing that's funny about that is like he could he can. Turn and shoot it with his right foot, but he like takes a moment. Oh boy! Oh no! Uh, takes a moment and shoots it with his left. And Jasper's a Roots fan. <laughs> this is this is news.
0: <laughs> Jasper is definitely a believer in possession stats and possession stats only.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, too bad Phil isn't here to rail against the stat sheet from <laughs> this one.
2: Yeah, Jasper is not as convinced with XG. He feels like sample sizes are too small. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like John said, you know, this one felt like if it was in the regular season, it could have been maybe things could have gone a little bit differently. But I mean San Antonio was rocking. I mean, that stadium looked Awesome to be in. I'm a little bit jealous of all the people that were there. Um, Oakland, I, I do think that they were that they were kind of growing into the match, even though San Antonio was sitting in deep, you know, and just kind of handling things well. It the biggest thing that was been a weakness of Oakland all year long is that at times their midfield legitimately looked like one of the worst midfields in all of the USL. It, <laughs> their midfield can go from pretty good to horrible. And it looked like they started to put some passes together, starting to string some stuff together, maybe not making plays, but at least look a little bit more fluid and not just, oh, yeah, in practice we passed the ball once and we passed the ball again. Ah, I remember that now. It became more natural. Um, But then San Antonio kind of saw that and caught it out and decided that that was no good and they hated that and scored because that's, again, what they do. (laughs)
2: and that i mean that second goal by patino is just a really nice nice moment for him really nice touch really nice shot the second goal is from him is even i think maybe even more impressive from the angle but like this has been like san antonio is going to win one nil san antonio is going to win one nil san antonio is going to win one nil but i think what they showed is that you know, if if you give them space and time, San Antonio can be just as you know explosive as some of the other teams that we've seen score two, three, four goals in a game. Uh, yeah, Oakland's defense has not been great, um, but you know, San Antonio could have easily just defended and got out of this one with a one nil victory. And so, I think I think it was important for them to to put a couple goals in the back of the net because uh, they got a really tough matchup coming up. Uh, against a team that can score some some goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, I mean, unless John, you have some melts on this. Um, this is I, I now honestly beginning of the season. You say Colorado Switchbacks are playing San Antonio in the USL uh, Western Conference Finals. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, midway through the season, and even towards the end of it, you're just like are you a Colorado Springs fan thinking that because I've, none of us were sold on Colorado Springs. And then I kind of last week we said it, um, the switchbacks decided that momentum is stupid and no one needs it anyway. Um, how about we sell off our best player for a bunch of money? Suck it losers. And that's kind of what they did. I mean, look, The Sacramento match itself, uh, they obviously they play Sacramento Republic. It was exciting. It was a really exciting match. Um, Roro uh, Lopez, also known as Roro Rodriguez, according to one person on the USL preview show, um, gets his goal, 18th minute, good finish, obviously. Roro Lopez, don't have to tell you that. Um, and then it felt like, even though it was a bit of time that passed, it felt like it was close to an immediate response by, uh, Colorado Springs. It felt like they remembered, ah, playoff game. We should probably score now. And then listen, Mitchie just (laughs) scores. And then he does the dang thing again in extra time. Um, this one kind of went back and forth, um, but the real big changer here, just as John talked about in his tactics show today, Foster coming in really gave this uh, this whole match a different vibe. And at, once it hit extra time, it didn't feel like a Sacramento really had a chance. It just felt like it really felt like this was Switchback's game. In many ways, the Sacramento
1: team is... Kind of San Antonio light in the way that they try to defend with that back five, play you out, get that one goal. And I think the difference that we saw pretty starkly across these games is that San Antonio has so many talented forwards who can come up with the moment of magic. And that's really only Roro if you're thinking about what Sacramento does. The switchbacks, meanwhile, have suddenly found this new life with just really basic 4-2-3-1. They're finding out how to liberate Michigalina without the distracting presence of Haji Berry in the mix. Uh, I think when they really turned into a more positive, almost 4-2-4 system, when they brought in Foster and added that additional uh, bit of width, that was really the thing that put them over the top. But it was a really great performance from them. And sure, it was a home game. They've been stronger at home over the year. But I just liked a lot of what I saw, and I'm really interested to see what becomes of this matchup against uh, San Antonio next week.
0: How do you not put um, – sorry, I just got to ask the question. How do you not put Michio on the pin?
2: Beyond me there. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a really nice moment in that first goal where you just kind of see how the offensive attack really was – pulling San, Sacramento's defense apart on that run. Like, guys running weird diagonals, creating tons of space, uh, not being able to track everybody. Um, it was a really nice goal, uh, a really nice moment. Um, this is kind of, again, the Colorado Springs from the beginning of the season. Um, I wouldn't say no one believed in Colorado Springs. Uh, I believe there's a um, a former USL show host who lives in Pennsylvania who is like who fanboys... <laughs> colorado springs the uh bethlehem steel of the west uh but i mean there there is a pedigree there uh in the coaching staff that is really good and i think sometimes um we lose track of how important some of the the coaching and tactical stuff is um in, in turning seasons around uh, in even midseason or toward the end um with the Haji berry thing like I mean, there is addition from by subtraction, right? You you have such a guy, a guy who has such um, soccer, uh, what should I describe this as, like um, gravitational pull, right? Like there's all of this, this attention, and sometimes your own teammates get sucked into that, right? Like you have this monster player, you got to give him the ball, you got to give him the ball, you got to give him the ball, and maybe it makes the team a little bit more one-dimensional, uh, and then you sell him, and then you got to figure your life out without him. And you know, instead of it being an answer with one other player, maybe it's an answer for two or three other guys that are now finding the space and the freedom, uh, and kind of relooking at how systems run. And you know, I there's a lot of respect for what Colorado Springs has done. And form is temporary, right? You're you're in a good run of form until you're not, and you're in a bad run of form until you're not. And Colorado Springs is for sure. Hit hit it at the right spot, and now you have you know another really solid Western Conference matchup um, that I, I think has the potential to be a, a pretty fun boxing match between between styles and good defenses and really good keepers and uh, offensive firepower.
0: Yeah, do we want to get into it with the? I kind of do a little bit. Um, listen, there is, I mean, coming into this match, the quote is going to be thrown around about how San Antonio is not good, they're just efficient. Which, again, Brendan, you're not listening to this, but there's a chance you are. And I want to say it have you seen their conversion stats? That is the opposite of efficient. I, if you're going to make a weird claim, back it up with something. I San Antonio, apparently not a good team. Uh, Colorado Springs, proving to be a good team right now. And kind of to your point, Alan, we see this, uh, for example, in football all the time, especially like the NFL, um, where star wide receiver goes down, suddenly – the passing attack breaks open. Um, Not if you watched uh, Monday Night Football last night um, because the Bengals suck again. I hate my life. But, um, you know, most of the time when a star receiver goes down, they start passing to everybody. Everybody starts getting the ball. And this is – and I'm trying to remember – but this is the first time in a while San Antonio's play Colorado Springs without Augie Berry. And you think, well, maybe this makes more sense. They don't have to man mark or, you know, even put two men on Augie Berry. But now that they're starting to spread the ball out even more and getting more players touching the ball and seeing some really creative runs coming out of this team, maybe it adds a new wrinkle into switchbacks offense. Maybe. I don't know.
1: So these teams actually played in September and Barry was gone. Oh
0: was um, he or was he was, was he hurt at that point
1: it was he was never actually hurt. he was just kind of in Egypt negotiating a contract, which is wild but um
0: that sounds like an injury to me. they
1: <laughs> um they were playing a different system than what they have ended up with in the playoffs where it was a back three. Uh, sort of the Barry setup without Barry at the top of it. They've refined things. They've added an extra body in the midfield. And I think that's going to be really key to them, maintaining control, having the balance where Cam Lindley can do his thing creatively without the extra burden of having to be the man who slides over into the channel to mark what Adenaran is doing in transition or having to cover it Christian Pirano on the other side. So I think that's going to be important So much of the improvement that we've seen in recent weeks has been at the defensive end, where for the middle three, four months of the season, this was one of the leakiest defenses in the USL. And I really can't point to exactly what the difference has been, but they have figured it out. They've got a settled back line. Jeff Caldwell is in good form after really struggling early in the year. So the switchbacks have a lot going for them. But at the same time, I think it would be foolish to doubt what San Antonio is doing. But they're not they, good. Yes, they're. They, I Okay, well, just to comment <laughs> on that, I feel like we give Brandenburg <laughs> too much flack. Like,
0: no. He didn't mean
1: it like that. You know, it's it's little some more material, but.
0: I'm amazed know, I, that the Colorado Springs PR posted it.
1: Yeah. That, that, amazed- that should have been edited.
2: So this is a very similar comment to one that Landon Donovan made last year um, that was posted on not the team's uh, web PR person, but um, by some a-hole named Alan Underwood um, after an Orange County game. And he basically made a comment about like they play like they're the road team at home and I would never want to do that. Like, I don't think they play basically it's like, I hate the way they play soccer is essentially what they said. And I I think there's like, there's some validity to this argument. If your philosophy of soccer is uh, it must be free flowing, beautiful, like Manchester city esque football. And when, I mean, this is the the detractors with like the Mourinho argument of it's not pretty or the Italian style of soccer where it's like, a perfect game of soccer is nil nil right that's the perfect game of soccer is nobody scores because goals come from mistakes and I can understand that sentiment if the way that San Antonio plays and your comment is I don't want to play that way that's not the way that's not my philosophy of soccer and I think that is a very valid argument I think that argument gets spun in the oh, well, you you think we're bad at soccer or you su- You think we suck at soccer or that, well, look at us, we, we win. It's like, yeah, like we're not making it. Like I don't think Landon Donovan was making this argument. I'm not sure what Brendan Burke was getting at, but it's not saying like that's not a way to win soccer. It's just that's not the way they want to win soccer and they want to be aggressive and they want to be the aggressor and they want to. Have possession. They don't want to sit back and defend like some away teams do in their own like when they go on the road. So i I, I do think it's bullets and board material, and I do think that it, it's it's a hard one too, right? Because if he comes out after a match and says the same thing, and they lost, it's like he's complaining. If they won, it's like, well, it's like you won, you're a sore loser or a sore winner. Sometimes at least like these comments are better just be like, put it in an email and then don't hit send or talk to talk about it with your friends over a beer or wine or, you know, hot tea. I don't know. But like this is something that's like it's a headline. It's easy to to to, to attach on to. And I, but I think it is a, is a fun conversation to have when you have multiple philosophies of soccer in the USL because it makes for really entertaining matchups and it makes for really fun conversations about which style do you like and and how do you build your systems and how do they react against other systems, right? This is what makes Oakland play well against San Diego. It's just a philosophy that leads to really fun approaches to soccer and it gives John something to do in his, apparently in all of the free time he has, is talk about all of these different approaches to soccer and that, but that's what makes it fun and beautiful. And as opposed to everyone must do four, four, two, and you must have a tall striker and a short striker who's speedy. Like we've been through that. And it's like, we wanted to move past that. We want these different systems. It's just that when coaches advocate for one over the other, people are like, Oh, you think my system's wrong. It's like, no, this is just the system I want to play. And I actually don't like that system. I, I don't want to coach it. So I, I love that conversation. I just would hope that we um, take the comments at the face value and be able to debate like what makes a good system versus you think my team sucks because you don't like my system unless you're that team and you want to use it as motivation in a possible Western conference file.
0: You know, I want to jump back to something that you said, John, and we probably do need to run forward. But to me, I think I, I kind of know what the defensive changes is. For Colorado, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, you watch a lot more matches than I do, obviously. Um, but to me, it's simply going to that back four. Um, a lot of times whenever I would watch Colorado Springs, that back three would get kind of spread apart because somebody goes up a little too far. Someone gets out a little bit too wide. They would get caught out on a really good diagonal ball off of, you know, or get caught out on a diagonal run, and they just kind of split that open channel. And since they have gone to this two at the back or, you know, four at the back technically, but two at the back system, it feels like they cut out the diagonal ball a lot more than they used to. And that it felt like every time they got scored on, that was the thing. Um, and from what I, what I watched from San Antonio when they played Legion, that was a lot of the game was a lot of those diagonal runs. Maybe not exactly a diagonal ball coming in. But a lot of those runs were being made, and I'd be really interested to see how those match up against each other.
1: The issue is that they were using a back four for a lot of those bad losses in the middle of the season with a lot of the same personnel that they've had now. And there are times where because you've got Tristan Hodge, who's a natural center back at left back, and Sebastian Anderson, who's viable as a winger at right, they often end up in a back three by proxy. It's the, it's very complex how they are just quite fluid in what they're doing. And maybe you just chalk it down to they had a lot of injuries and a lot of inconsistency. So getting this consistent group for four or five weeks in a row has finally paid off for them.
0: For sure, um, because we are running pretty long right now. We can go ahead and move on to the Eastern Conference. Um, the first one I want to talk about um, should be a relatively quick conversation considering the fact that the only part people are talking about is the last um, really two minutes of the game. Um, And that is Memphis versus Tampa Bay. Um, we talked about refereeing um, earlier and, oh boy, was this a doozy. Uh, Memphis – in my opinion, looks like they dominated for most of the match. They looked really, really good at home. After the mi- match gets delayed for a day, um, you know, downside of playing at a baseball stadium. Um, on the other hand, shout out to the rain. The drought sucked lately, so good for Memphis. Um, and they, Memphis, looks really, really good. They get their penalty, and honestly, say what you want about the pen. Pin should never be saved. What da 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 da. What a, I mean, it's a good save. It was a good save. Go down to the other end. uh, Tampa Bay gets a pin of their own. Some people are saying probably shouldn't have been a pin. Um, And then when the pin's taken, uh, it got posted into our Discord hashtag ad. Be in there. Um, (laughs) Tampa Bay had four people in like encroaching on the pin. It was. It should have been retaken, Um, but it wasn't. Tampa Bay wins one nil on pseudo penalties. Thing.
1: (laughs) No, I mean you summed it up nicely. I think we shouldn't understate the fact that Memphis really dominated this game, especially in the first half. The Rowdies did not look up to it, and they made the right changes to settle things down and basically even it, uh, they moved into more of a 4-4-2 shape where they were able to hold off Aaron Molloy and that awesome Memphis midfield to a certain degree. I thought the penalty call in favor of Memphis that ended up being a miss was pretty soft and kind of bizarre. And then you say what you will about the other one, but Leo Fernandez is never not going to convert on the spot. I mean, I don't really have a ton more to add to what you had to say there, Kayla, just an interesting game overall. And Rowdy's gonna Rowdy when it comes to playoff time.
2: Yeah. The only thing I would add is uh, San Diego's favorite uh, center referee uh, would be the only one that would have made that first penalty call, I believe. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he uh, did save us 30 minutes and gave us uh one V one. And I think, I think he put himself in a bad position calling the first one that probably wasn't that when the second one happened, that was very similar. Like at that point you kind of have to call it right. Like you put yourself into that position to have to make kind of a, a dodgy penalty decision. Um, You know, and, and Tampa Bay to their credit, did everything they could to get that PK called. Um, And that's what players do, right? You, you push to the edge of, of embellishment and, and, you put your body in a position to create fouls and you know, that's really the difference. It was one good save and one good PK. Um, but I, I do think Memphis is a little bit hard done with this, with this loss. Um, but uh, kudos to them uh, for having a really nice season. Um, it, it I'm sure a very disappointing end, but, you know, encourage Memphis fans to look back over the course of the season and, and think, Um. Uh, yeah, and think about the success. Elton didn't want the game to go to OT, must have had a fight to catch. Um, I think really he had a meeting to um to debrief the San Diego match. And so um he was like, I got an appointment to make and I can't be late. So I'll just uh um I'll just call PK's. Why not? What does he have to lose? He's probably not gonna get in trouble. And probably actually I think he's hosting the finals.
0: Um you know, this is one of those matches and I said it last week that Detroit City kind of gave the blueprint of beating Memphis. Um and don't get me wrong, in the first half Memphis I and mean, they they were dominating, no doubt. Second half um Tampa Bay looks more up to it, but they were just defending the crap out of the ball. They were doing a great job and I said it with with Detroit City that they kind of gave that blueprint. Defend, defend, defend. Like, just do well uh, in defense. Steal the game in the last 10 minutes. That was Detroit City's game plan going in. It almost worked. It almost worked last week for Detroit City. Tampa Bay, in their own way, kind of replicates the same thing. Gets a, a bit of a lucky penalty call. To be fair, so did Memphis. Um, you, you kind of look at it and you say Memphis fans feel a little hard done by Tampa Bay could be having the same conversation right now. Um, really fans, um, who of Memphis and Tampa Bay should probably feel a little hard done by all the rest of us watching. I mean, I'm just glad I watched it because boy, it wasn't good, but it was entertaining. And that's all you asked for in the USL. I feel hard done by the
1: fact that no one could watch for the first 15 to 20 minutes because ESPN Plus got all messy with the rain delay.
0: Yeah, um, uh, that is uh, something to be uh, a little bit upset about. I think uh, shout out to Elton for not calling any pins. He knew that was kind of part of it, I think. Um, He knew that the stream was down and was like, I can't call any pins now. There was probably something we didn't see. In the first 15-20 minutes and so he was like i better make up for it now that people are watching um so shout out to him for that being very well aware uh jake edwards probably called it in and was like hey man you know those two calls you didn't call we got you now go do your thing man yeah that was ridiculous um shout out to the usl though for unlocking uh, the YouTube link, uh, sending us back to 2016, where we watched everything on YouTube, the golden days of the USL. Um, for the people who just experienced YouTube USL for the first time, welcome to our culture. Um, that's the way things should be done. This is an NASL live podcast. Come on now,
1: <laughs> whatever it was called. Worst <laughs> streaming service in the history of the world. It's awful. <laughs>
2: I've experienced Cujo, I think that's what it's called. That was also... Yeah, L- Mike really TV or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yes. Open yeah. Cup Classic.
0: <laughs> and then lastly, um, it was probably, for most people, the match of the weekend, I think. And it was Pitt versus Louisville City. Pittsburgh goes up 2-0. And Pittsburgh looked good. You really thought that Bob Lilly was gonna Bob Lilly. And then in the second half, he comes out and he's still Robert Baby. We're parking the bus because that works for everybody in the playoffs. Um, concedes two goals. Cameron Lancaster comes on, bags his goal, screws off, and then they go to extra time where Kizza is a playoff hero, apparently. But no, 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 not so fast, my friend. Um it was apparently offsides, allegedly. Um, goes all the way to penalties. Um, and all it takes is one save. And that's it Louisville City, Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals because who didn't have that one coming into the season?
1: This was another one where I think it was some really astute managing on the part of Danny Cruz that corrected what was going wrong for Louisville, got them back into it and led to what happened uh, in the shootout. It was that halftime inflection point where the back three was just leaving them two unshielded in the midfield. He knew that they needed an extra body in there. He switched into more of a 4-2-3-1. And yes, the Riverhounds scored pretty immediately out of the half. It was more of a defensive mistake than anything. But from there, Louisville was really able to possess. They took control of the game. Elijah Winder coming on uh, after his brother had really stolen the spotlight from him for the entirety of the season was fantastic. Uh, He really created both of the goals in tandem with Lancaster. Then Lancaster gets hurt and they sort of go into this kind of proto back three, back four-ish thing with Oscar Jimenez on the right. Every decision that Cruz made ended up paying off in this thing. And yes, you can point to that a decision being pretty awful. And Pittsburgh certainly had their chances, but you can't decide to sit in against this Louisville team and park the bus. They are too good. They have too many talented players, even with the injuries. It was really a poorly managed game on Lily's part. And an exciting one for Louisville, just to make one more point, in the the guys who did the job for them where Elijah Winder, a teenager from the academy, Carlos Moguel got the winning penalty. I mean, Danny Foundas in goal. These are the young players that Louisville has been developing and bringing in in a very unique way for this league that you're not seeing elsewhere, that having that developmental pipeline is really paying off.
0: I, I said it. Um, don't mean to cut you off, Alan. I said it pretty show. Um, I... You can be mad if you're Pittsburgh about the offsides. I'm saying it on purpose now. Shut up, Andy. Um, next thing, like I said, next thing you're going to tell me is that it's not Walmart's or it's not Target's. Don't care. Um, and listen, I yeah, the offside was bad, I get it. Um, but like John said you don't park the bus against blue city. Don't park the bus really against anybody in the playoffs. They're so everybody is so good. And if you park the bus, this is what happens. And you can be mad about the extra time goal about not being allowed pettiness. Me, um, you're going through off of, of ref being concussed and not knowing what state he was in. um, whatever that's me being a little bit petty but also it should never have gotten to that point and if you're a Pittsburgh player or a fan saying well you're just mad because you're a Legion fan I said the same thing to Legion last week I didn't care about last week's reffing decision because Legion should never been in that position because they parked the freaking bus Pittsburgh was on the uh, on the front foot the entire time until they decided to slam on the brakes and boy, did they hit a brick wall and it is what it is. You can't blow it to goal lead.
2: Yeah. I think this one's, this one's tough. Um, Cause uh, I, I think if you would have said, Hey, Pittsburgh is up by two goals in the final 10 minutes. Like everyone's like, yeah, Pitt- Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's winning that game. Like Pittsburgh's winning that game. Right. Like, the the history has proved that they're you know defensively stout. They don't like to give up tons of goals. Um, although some of the multi goals, I think Tulsa and New York Baby Bulls are the only non playoff team to score two more than two against them. Uh, so they can give up goals, but like typically you would think Pittsburgh in the playoffs with twenty minutes to go up two, they're probably they're probably winning that match like Free nine County. times out of ten. You know what I mean like but you know they do um you know secede I know that possessions is kind of a wonky stat but they're at 41 percent after the first half and then they're hanging out around 30 percent and you know that's just a recipe for disaster against any team particularly Louisville at home Louisville at home um, So this is one of those times where, you know, maybe you outthink the room a little bit and, you know, you want to trust your players, but you also like want to put Lou city on their back foot occasionally. Um, And they prove that when they did that, they can, they can do a good job. Um, It's unfortunate Pittsburgh couldn't see this one over the line. Uh, So we didn't have a Lou city versus Tampa Bay matchup uh, in the Eastern Conference finals, but you know, but here we are, um, the offside thing is hard because you know you have a camera angle that's you're never going to see that line. Um, you can maybe say that his you know he's leaning forward so his arm is offside and you can score with your armpit. Um, just ask Liverpool fans because um, they love to be offside by an armpit. But ultimately, like you had the game in hand. It wasn't the offside call that lost the game. It was what happened, you know, the 20 minutes beforehand.
0: I, I know we need to break down this uh eastern conference uh finals before we you know close the show but i just want to throw the question out there because robert lilly cuz i'm going to just going to keep calling him robert now cuz i think it's fun um and he's only made it past quarterfinals one time and it was a penalty shootout and now he loses a 2 nil win after his defense that he is so known for gives up two goals. John, I, d- do you think he survives the offseason? Because it feels like they are reaching a real fork in the road where they have to commit to him for another year. Do you think even Pittsburgh fans want to see that?
1: From what I've seen, Pittsburgh fans are pretty in on what he's doing. It seems like Jeff Garner, who came in from Orange County as the president of the team this year, is sold on at least another season of Lily. And I do think that they showed a lot in the playoff context where, yes, the regular season is always weird with these Lily teams because he is just experimenting constantly. But they put in good performances in the playoffs. And yes, his mismanagement cost them at the end of the day. But I think he did enough to earn another year. I think you invoked just real quick, you invoked Dane Kelly. That's the most concerning thing for me where his man management, for whatever reason, I mean, we've talked about him being a bit of a yeller, being a bit of a, you know, what he doesn't handle players well if they don't fit exactly into what he's imagining system-wise, and that's a problem.
0: Listen, if Dane Kelly wants to come down to Birmingham and link up with Enzo Martinez again, the USL will be a lot happier. I'm just saying. Um, I I do want to just, before we move on uh, to the finals, uh, Eastern Conference finals, look, I, that one uh, Jeff uh, Bob Willie just – throwing a hissy fit, it still gets me. I go searching through your Twitter all the time, John, just to watch it because it gets me. i have forgotten about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. It might be my favorite moment that you've captured this year, even over the Alex Cornale flop. I think – I just think that the, the Lily t- tantrum is just incredible.
2: <laughs> I think that's the biggest snub from – the first team all usl is that that moment should have been like at least in the midfield
0: beautiful um look we got to talk about these uh, eastern conference finals i've said that seven times now but now we're actually going to do it um tampa bay loose city um at this point it's just become who gets home field advantage every other year we're just kind of deciding along the way um i this is going to be a heavyweight matchup this is a matchup that pretty much everybody had circled the beginning of the year they probably had circled at the end of last year and it's coming to fruition um a couple of different characters that maybe we're used to seeing some different some characters that we expected maybe aren't playing um but in the end this is truly one of the matches that you can talk yourself into both sides and not even just both sides. You can talk yourself into both sides, winning the USL cup. This, who do we, who do we think we have here?
1: So pick wise, I had the rowdies getting to the final and doing the whole thing from the get go. And I feel slave to that pick. So I'm going with it based on Memphis performance. Am I confident in that? not particularly but i trust that neil collins is going to make the proper adjustments to give them extra solidity in the midfield i think that you can't discount how good the fernandez lakava guanzotti trio is up top if there's an area where i would be most concerned it's with the wide areas where aaron gian and connor antley are both very talented defenders but they're both a step slow and with Mushigalusa making those runs out wide with the wing back play of Perez and Dia, that could be problematic. But I think that the Rowdies did it last year, and they're going to do it again against Louisville
0: City. No lucky this time. That's true. Well, lucky, yeah. Is he hurt? Um, I, He didn't play. He hasn't played at all. He, he, no. never, play, he never
1: plays, but he never played last yeah. year other than
0: that. Well, that's true, but he always came in in big matches, and I feel like I haven't seen him in like a month. I thought he was just down with injury. Hmm. No,
1: but they have so many strikers, Dos Santos, uh, etc.
2: Not wrong,
0: All
2: right, Alan. Who you got? So, um, in full transparency, I put it in the chat, I was like, Can I change the loose city? Uh, And then John was like, well, I picked them from the beginning. And I think I also picked Tampa Bay to make the finals. So I was like, I feel shamed and just sticking with Tampa Bay. Um, But I mean, these are, these are two of the USL heavyweights, right? When people are talking like I'm new to USL, what teams are are good historically? And it's like, it's these two teams um, are, are two of the, the most consistently good teams in the USL. And so, um, I do, I do think loose city, um, is, is good enough to get the job done. Um, I, if I had to do it, pick over again, I would probably have picked Lu city, but again, I, I, John shamed me into sticking with my original pick. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with Tampa Bay and maybe that makes Louisville city fans happy because uh, apparently, uh, when I pick things, I'm wrong, and then people were like, oh, "You're wrong," and then they're like, "Please don't," pick, <laughs> but then, but then, please don't pick me in the future because I want you to continue to be wrong. Um, and so, it's a weird place to to be, but I, it's it's a role I've been born to play, apparently.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I picked Loose City here, and I'm just not comfortable with it because neither team looked convincing. This is the opposite of the Western Conference where Colorado Springs came into is coming into the final, and it's like, wow, look at Colorado Springs. And San Antonio, it's like, wow, San Antonio, still San Antonio. Incredible. They're so good. And now with these two matches, you're like, they both were on the struggle bus, and then they kind of did the thing. Uh, Tampa Bay kind of less did the thing. Um, loose City was gifted the thing. I I don't know. I I feel like I should stick with my loose City pick. But if there's any matchup that's destined to go all the way to keeper shootouts, um, this is this is the one. I I want to stick with loose City at home probably going to be a packed house Um, or maybe not Um, because I do think I actually picked Tampa Bay for this week um, because I think I saw rain on the horizon and this is such a weird thing but less home fans than normal if rain is coming and then all the Tampa Bay fans they drove all the way from Tampa Bay they're not just going back so maybe a little bit more of a wave presence I don't know I'm overthinking it right. both teams are gonna win
2: I mean, Lou City doesn't do well in the sunshine and doesn't do well in the rain. Also, uh, I think the thing that's going to tip it over for me back it to to make sure I feel comfortable is Tampa Bay has two players in the first team, first all-league team and Lou City only has one and everyone knows that the all-league first team is the biggest determining factor in everything. So, 2 to 1, I mean, what's more soccer than 2 to 1?
0: is true uh extra time uh tampa bay probably gets both goals in like i don't know the 90th minute and probably 119 because that's how tampa bay usually beats louisville so i mean, you can convince me of that pretty easily cameron lancaster comes in at, at 115 like i said gets his one goal screws off goes away again he's not even hurt this time he just wants to sit down I don't know. Look, I this is going to end up being a really, really fun finals. Um, the, the official USL show uh, poll does have Lou City versus San Antonio, which hot take guys, the two one 1Cs are going to play each other. Um, but the other ones that were just kind of big is people all think that. Uh, San Antonio is going to go through, and it's a pretty close coin toss uh, between Tampa Bay and Luce City. That's, those were the two that were really close. So I'd be really interested to see what happens uh, in this one. The finals between Tormenta and Red Wolves are going to be incredible. Um, Watch it be pure USL chaos, a League One chaos, and I don't know, Tormenta wins like 7 nothing because obviously that's just what they are going to do. Um, but that it just feels like it's going to be a classic with just how those two teams are matching up. And any loose City versus Tampa Bay match is a classic. And San Antonio and Colorado Springs, it should be fun. It should be really, really fun. I think we probably got the most interesting finals we could have asked for. Uh, coming into this playoffs and i'm pretty excited for it
2: yeah i'm not sure we uh shared our picks for the west oh
0: who do we have for the west (laughs) san
2: antonio um so i I joked that i was going to put my lock up for um for charity and see who would like the the winner would uh i would pick the winner and so people would be donating for the other team Uh, But I'm going because of all of the love I got from Colorado Springs fans, um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lock San Antonio. Congratulations, Colorado.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, Yeah, it's like San Antonio. Hot take. I know. Insane. Insane idea.
2: Um, But it's not unanimous among USL hosts. There is a Colorado Springs pick. So that does throw a wrench into things. Who was it? I believe, let's see if I can find it. Um, uh Gio picked the switchback.
0: <laughs> oh no. Um, Gio, you Gio had such a good relationship with San Antonio fans, and then the one day that he doesn't, he's not even here. Wow. It's all right. I mean, we've all made San Antonio fans mad at some point. It is what it is. <laughs> Oh uh, man. But I think that's it for the show. I know some people are probably looking for some all league uh, hot takes or who was a snub and all that kind of stuff. That might be an off season conversation with the playoffs going on. There's just not enough time. We just, and don't. Hey, I'm going to be, I mean I will
1: share my ballot and give insight into what the voting process actually looks like in the coming days.
0: Is this going to be like a hall of fame ballot where, you know, the same thing. Is it similar?
1: You basically only get a vote
0: for like six
1: people, and there's like a point system. I don't even know who else is on the panel. It's weird.
2: Well, I am the voting is you have to draw a um, a portrait of each of the players, and so if you don't, well, get they the score. Guy exactly yeah, they score right. based on how close they look like exactly. So yeah, yeah, that was the reason why Connor Maloney didn't get in. He's generic. <laughs> It is why it is why Enzo made it pretty clearly. Like I can draw that guy. Yeah, yeah just get, get a red red crayon out and you're good.
0: Shaved head, kind of man bun, big beard, all red. Um, you got it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, that doesn't really. No, it actually kind of does explain why Openo didn't get in. Um, if you asked me to draw Openo right now, he might be one of the least confident people I could probably draw.
2: Although to be to be fair, um it's it's it is how uh former San Antonio keeper Matt Cardoni got a, one vote is that someone <laughs> thought that Enzo was Cardoni. So they're like, I mean he's not even playing, but I guess that's a vote. <laughs> Beautiful, just
0: incredible stuff. I love this stupid league. Um Kyle Morton wasn't snubbed. Sorry. Golden um, glove means nothing. That's all I'm gonna say. It should be gloves. It sh- they have two.
1: I forgot this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have two. This isn't even like golden boot, where they have a preferred foot. I understand that goalkeepers catch the ball unless they're prominent, like freaking Spider Man. They have two. It makes no sense.
2: I mean. Unless it was Jim Abbott. (laughs) I don't think. I mean, amazing pitcher. I used to, like, when I was a kid, I used to pretend I was Jim Abbott pitching. Like, I loved (laughs) Jim Abbott. Like, no joke. Like, I love. I was, like, trying to figure out how he did it. And so I would, like, pretend that I was Jim Abbott pitching. Like, he was, like, legitimately. Because he played for the Angels for a bit. And so, like, legitimately, like, one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Because it was just, like amazing what an athlete he was and what he's able to accomplish and then i would try to like figure i'm like how does he i'm like "Mm." and that's why i played in band (laughs) because you could never
0: figure out how to take your glove off when you had a a hand i wasn't
2: even athletic enough to put my hand into the glove and take it out again i was just like "Mm, this is this is clearly not this is clearly not for me
0: oh man um Now that we've gotten into MLB, um, look, I don't even know who's winning uh, Philly's Astros right now. I'm a little bit mad that we didn't get Philly's um, Astros on Halloween. I feel like Philadelphia on Halloween would have been incredible, but whatever. Um, What do I know? Um, Stupid rain. Um, Yeah, Listen, I mean, I guess Memphis and Philadelphia, you know, postponing important playoff matches because of, because of rain they have so much in common uh, Memphis is truly the Philadelphia of the deep south or something um, Alan you have any final thoughts for the night nope <laughs> alright fair enough
1: I yeah you kind of stole my thing I'm just feeling very brain dead right now <laughs>
0: fair, fair just enough. a strong
1: endorsement of my picks for everyone who's listening
0: brilliant i endorse getting Um,
1: enough sleep that's my shout at the end of this thing
0: hey um let's see uh oh i did have uh i guess interesting conversation um with a student yesterday uh she looked at me and she goes who are you even though i've been seeing the same student for the last three months um She's six. Last three months didn't happen. Last week didn't happen. It's a new week. Um uh she that story you had
1: on the uh last hammering down pod about the the uh fat content. oh
0: my god, that freaking <laughs> kid. I felt so self-conscious. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um oh man, that freaking kid. He's a good he's a good kid, but whatever. Um go listen to that one. I think that one's the Pittsburgh. uh it's in the middle of it if it just skip through it I don't care if you listen to the rest um, but uh, let's see this week she's like she was like, who are you and I'm like I'm the music teacher and she's okay she goes are you somebody's dad and I said no I'm the music teacher she goes oh do you have kids I said no and she said so does that mean you have a mom which now <laughs> tells, <laughs> which now connects that if you have children no longer have a parent that makes sense Um, I told her, no, I have a mom, told her my mom's name because she didn't believe me. Um, And then she goes, well, do you have kids? And I said, no. And she looks at me and she goes, so you have a mom, but she doesn't live here and you don't have kids. And I said, yes. And she goes, so are you just always lonely? And then ran off. And I was like, all right.
2: <laughs> Thank you, seven-year-old. I appreciate it. <laughs> I thought she was asking existential question, like "Who are you?" Like "Who are you?" Like <laughs> the caterpillar from from Alice in Wonderland.
0: You know, now that now that I'm going to go to bed, I'm, it really is going to be in my mind. Like, who am I? Who is my mom? Huh. <laughs> But look, thank you guys uh, so much for listening, Long Pod. Um, we have, if you didn't listen to the Lexington video that we did with Coach Stocks, um, that one is on uh, streaming platforms and it's on Goals TV. Um, go check that out. Um, and we have some stuff. Planned obviously for finals. We have some offseason stuff that we're starting to work on. We're going to try to figure out some way to get Geo to try out for Union Omaha. We don't know how, but it's going to happen at some point. Um, but hey, it was a long one. It was a good one. Thank you so much for listening. And for the last time of the night, um, unless uh, Jasper has anything he wants to throw in uh, one last time, he's uh, sleeping now. Well, no. Alan's voice one last time
2: (laughs) thank you for watching another episode of the USL show this and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm once again thanks for stopping by and we'll see you guys again next week